heard it, John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. John 8, 21 through 30. So Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Please be seated. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit's help. Lord, we thank you that we have the intelligence to hear words that are read, to read along with them, to even understanding uh, everything in these scriptures, at least the, the words as they're pronounced and put together in sentences and there's dialogue there. We thank you for that. But what we need is your help through your Holy Spirit as we interact with this sacred text, which is different than anything else ever written. Help us to understand and see it as your word and to be convicted, to be encouraged, to have uh, another little alteration in our lives as a result of thinking spiritually about your Bible. So we thank you this morning. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a continuation of the dialogue that we looked at last week. We, um, we were, you were home and you were reading for your morning quiet times and you came to this text. You quite likely wouldn't break off right in the middle of this conversation. But if you're preaching and you're thinking through it and there's bite-sized chunks, well, you might likely do that because we did it. But I want us to understand this is a carrying on. Jesus has said, and we heard this last week, I am the light of the world. And he's talking about light and walking in darkness and following the light, how we live. And it's a natural progression in this same conversation with these, uh, with these folks, these uh, chief priests and Pharisees uh, who uh, opposed him and didn't believe him. It's natural for him to talk then about saying, I'm going to be walking somewhere and there's a place that you're not going to be able to have your opportunity anymore to follow the light. He says, I'm going. You're going to seek for me. You won't find me. Three 
times he talks about this. This is the, this is the preaching part of the, uh, of the text to me. Don't die in your sins. Don't die in your sins. You're going to die in your sins, he says. And he warns them again and again. This phrase comes back. In the dialogue, as we look at the text, there's uh, the three contrasts or, or natural things that I, that I saw in the text that just for comparison and contrast. We're going to look at those three things, but the chorus that needs to run through our heads is something about dying in your sins and how you do not want to do that. Don't die in your sins. It's my warning this morning. You are going to die. That's coming. You can try to postpone it, but there's an end appointed to every single person. You don't get to live in every single era that ever was, and you don't get to pick. It's chosen for you. Here you are, one of you, only you, and you've lived your life to however old you are now, and you're going to live as long as however God wants you to live, and you're going to die. Don't die in your sins. Don't die in your sins. It's not what you want. It's not good for you. And explore that. Don't. Uh, Jesus talked with them. And the first of the comparisons and contrasts is really not much of a comparison. It's really a con- contrast between Jesus and these Jewish religious leaders. He's saying to them, I'm going away. You're going to seek me. You're not going to be able to go there. And you're going to die in your sins. And the Jews are saying, well, he's going to kill himself. He says, where I'm going, you can't come. And he says to them, here's a contrast. You're talking on one level, on this earthly level. But you're talking to someone who can function and and, and talk on an earthly level, but who comes from a different place, who's entirely different. You're talking to the Son of Man. You're talking to God. And he says there's a difference. He says that you are from below and I'm from above. Verse 23, you're from below, I'm from above. You can't mix light and darkness. Let's take a little light, let's take a little darkness, let's stir it up and have uh, some blend. You can dim the light, but there's either light or there's darkness. The power is either on or the power is off. Light and darkness. I don't know why I'm looking at our electrician as I think about this, but that's true. It's dark. You do something, you make the adjustment, there's light. There's light or dark. You can't mix them up. Jesus said, you are from below. I'm from above. He goes on to say, you are from this world, and I am not of this world. He could have rightly said, uh, you are not of this world. I made this world. You're not... You're from this world, and you live in this world. You have boundaries. Jesus is different. He was standing in front of them as flesh and blood who might need to take a break and get some sleep or eat some food, and his body was a body like theirs, but he was from another place. He was God incarnate, written into the script by himself to be the savior of these people who were limited to this world that they were born into. You're of this world, the, the, the word for world, cosmos. Basically, it's a, this world system. 
Sometimes they say an evil world system. Uh, Peter saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Don't love it too much, folks. <laughs> Don't love it too much. Um, enjoy uh, the, the benefits and all of the good gifts that God gives, and he, God gives so many good gifts. Have some fun. Different ones of us have different things that are, that are fun. White lines measured out, the crack of the bat, <laughs> the smell of popcorn, the PA announcer. Hey, that, that's a good gift that God has given. Um, don't, don't love it so much that it even becomes more of a love than your love for the God who gave you that gift. He says, we're different. You're from below, I'm from above. You're from this world, I am not from this world. They will die in their sin. Jesus himself will die. He will die. Uh, They will watch him die. They will be instrumental in making sure he dies. It might be the Roman government that is the instrument they use, but they're pulling the strings. These people stirring up the crowd, bringing threats, bringing all the weight to bear. Yes, Jesus will die, but he will not die in his sins because Jesus did not sin. When they said sarcastically, oh, what, is he going to kill himself? Uh, That was a sarcastic comment. Um, They believed about um, suicide, about the taking of your own life, what a lot of people have believed. That some, some people teach and some, some religions will teach. That's the unpardonable sin. You do that, you're straight to hell. Uh, there's teachings and that's what they believed. And they basically said, because we're so righteous and we're not going to hell, he's going somewhere, that means he's going to kill himself and that way he'll go straight to hell and we won't, we won't follow him there. And it was just a put down. Don't be like them. Don't die in your sins. When Jesus speaks, take Jesus seriously. When he says, I'm the light of the world, ask what does that mean? I want to follow this Jesus. I want to not die in my sins. But you see the great contrast between them. Verse 24, uh, if you look at it, um, I told you you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. What would have jumped out at these religious leaders because they were great um, talkers and theologians and they understood uh, their scriptures, their Old Testament scriptures, which are God's word, the I am, that ego a me that we talked about last week. Jesus saying all these times, I'm the bread of life, I'm the door, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am. He says again, unless you believe that I am he. And that I am would have jumped out to them as he's calling himself and taking on himself God's name. Moses in the wilderness saying, who shall I say sent you? I am sent you. Who are you? I am. I am that I am. And Jesus is saying, unless you believe that I am that I am God, that I am telling you the truth, you will die in your sins. And I'm saying 
each one of you don't die in your sins. You can't go where Jesus goes if you're dying in your sins. Second, comparison. A little bit of a contrast, but a comparison and contrast. The first one was just totally contrasting the two. Second one, it turns into Jesus talking about the Father who sent him. And this is in verses 6, 25 through 29. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. Editorial note from John, from the Holy Spirit, as he breathed out these words for us, they did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. Verse 27. And in 28, so Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Compare, contrast. Think of God the Father and God the Son. We've already prayed to God the Holy Spirit, but think of these two of these three persons from the Godhead. And think about God the Father and God the Son. Clearly, two distinct divine persons, the one God. Jesus is saying, He who sent me, I speak as the Father taught me. He has not left me alone. He's comparing and he's saying, and we see and we get part of our understanding of, of, of the Trinity from passages such as this one. We know they're one God along with the Holy Spirit. He says he was sent by the Father. He's speaking on behalf of the Father. He worked on behalf of the Father. It's not like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had a conflict. And they said, these folks down there that we created are dying, and they're dying in their sins, and they're on their way to hell There's no way out of it. And finally, Jesus, a reluctant volunteer, or maybe they took a vote, and the Father and the Spirit said, you get to be the one. No, your salvation was worked by Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Love of you. Yes, there is the wrath of God that that the Bible says is poured out on all who practice unrighteousness. And it pleased the Father to send the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And here's Jesus on the cross bearing the sins of his people. You, you're a Christian. Bearing your sin. But there's a a contrast and we see how Father works, Son works, Spirit works in our salvation. God even had these unbelievers lift him up. When Jesus said to them, uh, what verse is it here? you, You can see it too, probably get there quicker than me, where he said in verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority. What would they have been thinking when you've lifted up the Son of Man? They're like, 
How deluded can this guy get? Doesn't he see we're adversaries? We're not going to exalt him and lift him up. But they did. They're like, we're going to kill him. And that was the way of his being lifted up. And God even used them as instruments to do God's work to lift him up. Uh, what does the scripture say? John 3, 14 and 15, Jesus talking earlier with them and is talking with, John, uh, with Nicodemus, with one of them who was converted. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And see the irony in this section. These people who would succeed in having Jesus killed so that people wouldn't follow him. It's when they succeeded, when he gave his, essentially his coronation speech, lifted up from the, the cross when he's dying for the sins of his people. Others seeing and believing as a result of their actions. Jesus said, the Father is always with me. Verse 29. He who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. The one moment where that would change is when? On the cross, where Jesus cried out, God the Son crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's important in verse 29, where Jesus said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Um, you want to start with an elemental definition of, of sin. Basically, it's not doing the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus had that perfect record. He and the Father were one. He was here to do the Father's will. Uh, there's a passage in Hebrews that talk about him learning obedience. Uh, I used to try and trick the kids in, in youth group back in the day when I was a young guy, and I would say, okay, I'd say, we all agree, don't we? Jesus didn't sin, right? Everybody on the same page, Jesus didn't sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'd have some scriptures that talked about that. And then I would say, what sin, though, did he come closest to breaking? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what the answer, most, most, the most common answer, survey says, Sabbath, because he was accused of that by the, by the uh, Pharisees. And that's, that's good. The kids were thinking. Uh, Jesus was tempted like we are, yet without sin. He always did what pleased the Father. When it was time, because his human body was tired and he needed his rest, and he went in and rested, God didn't say, boy, he should have stayed out there and signed autographs for one more hour. Should have stayed out there just a little bit more, healed a few more people. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you, son. That was never said. Jesus did everything right. All the works of, of, of um, we talk about our sins of omission and commission. Uh, Jesus didn't leave anything undone that he wasn't supposed to do. He didn't do anything that he wasn't supposed to do. He didn't sin in thought, word, and deed. And he was lifted up by people who were going to die in their sins, even as he died for the sins of the people he came to save. He says, I always do the things that please the Father. 
and yet we read in Scripture that it pleased the Father to crush him. Think about that. He didn't die in his sins because there weren't any. But can you say, think with me and, and, and explain and, and tell me if I'm okay theologically and think, can you say he died in your sins? He died bearing your sins, certainly. He died for your sins. He went to the cross as that kind of a, of a, of a sinner bearing the wrath of God in your place. If you've been listening closely, which you probably have, I've said it a couple of times, and there's three times where it says don't die in your sin or don't die in your sins. And you're saying, well, that's just the pastor kind of mumbling around or that's just a scribal error. Uh, I want to compare finally the third point where Jesus said don't die in your sins, singular. Then he said don't die in your sins, plural. Which is it? Did Jesus die for your sin if you're a Christian, or did he die for your sins if you're a Christian? And there's a reason why Jesus carefully said, and why when, the, uh, when God's writer of Scripture, in this case John, wrote it down uh, on God's behalf and wrote the right words, there's a reason why he used both. Comes time in our service, we get to confess our sins. Or do we confess our sin? <laughs> um, it might be easier to just confess that I'm a sinner given the time that we have in a service because if we were confessing our sins and trying to remember them all, uh, there are those of us who would be like Martin Luther and it would take hours. We'd still be doing that right now. Um, sins, sinner. Do you sin because you're a sinner? Or are you a sinner because you sin? Classic question to help us understand this. And the fact of the matter is we, we sin because we're sinners. We're not born with that clean slate. I was conceived in sin and born in iniquity. I've told you way too many times about that little girl who said to her parents and her dad's trying to be a good dad and trying to get to the root of the matter. Why did you tell the lie? And, and the little 9 or 10 year old says, well, why did I tell the lie? And trying to get at the point of you know, what's the root? Because I wanted the piece of cake or I wanted this or I wanted to stay up later, whatever the, the situation was. And the girl says to her parents because she's been listening in church, well, I told the lie because you and mom are liars and I inherited this. I was born with it. And it wasn't said in a smart mouth way. It was said in a theological way and, 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 and maybe a hopeful way, like, good, we're going to have a theological discussion and we're not going to deal with the lie. But the fact of the matter is that's true. That's true. We're born like this, and Jesus comes along, and so uh, we confess our sins, and we confess our, our, our sinfulness. Another question I used to ask those teenagers. If God could only forgive your sins or your sinfulness, and you had to choose one or the other, which would you choose? You can't take both. He can't die for your sinfulness and your sinful nature. He can die for your sins. Which one do you think is more important? In other words, which one uh, keeps you from dying in your sins and gets you into heaven? And you can't answer that question. It's both. That's why we sing in our hymns sometimes, be, be for sin a double cure. That's where the idea of a double cure comes from. Your 
forgiveness from Jesus. His death on the cross as your propitiation was so comprehensive, it covered all of it. Everything included your sins and your sinfulness, even the ones you forgot about or you didn't even know that's what I was doing. Think about what it means to be forgiven. And then take Jesus' words, and I'm saying, don't die in your sins. It's not necessary. It's not necessary when you have a Savior and a general call to you. Not getting into the theological, technical about the the inner call and the spirit call, but saying there is a call. Whoever comes to the Lord, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Uh, There's no need for you to die in your sins if you're hearing this and thinking about it. Say, God, forgive me and come to him. Don't die in your sins. Application. Conclusion. If you're currently an enemy of God, which is defined as anyone who's not a friend of God, then I'm going to assume that you've got the message about dying, not dying in your sin, but I'm asking you and telling you, don't. You don't know how long you have. I knew a kid one time back when I was in college. He was a high school kid on staff of, of uh, the, the little Christian college where I worked. and I was like the charge of the work crew for all these little high school kids. Uh, they were there just because their parents worked there for a time. And, and uh, we're all mopping the floors and cleaning the kitchen. And this young man, a pastor's kid, by the way, telling his friends, he said, I'm going to, I overheard him. He says, I'm going to sow my wild oats for a while. And then when I get older, I'm going to come back to the Lord and, and have a good, raise a family for, the, for Christ and all that. But he, he was planning to sow his wild oats for a while, and he was planning not to be a Christian uh, for a while. And maybe that's just kids talking. Had a friend who had a friend, and I, he, I looked on his Facebook or his social media, and I looked this young man up uh, and see him now as a 50-year-old, and, and, um, and we'll see how that plan works for that young man. I'm saying don't die in your sin. Come to the Lord. If you're faking it and pretend Christian, stop pretending. But for those of us ending on a wonderful, positive note. Got a kick yesterday. We'll, we'll tell that. I love Bob. This was, this was men's group yesterday. And we were in R.C. Sproul's book. And, and uh, Bob Rainey, uh, we, we were talking about, um, oh, how, how we had adoption, then we had sanctification. And Sproul ended that chapter on the wrong views of sanctification. We were talking about legalism and, and uh, antinomianism and all that. And Bob says, I just have a, a little bit of a complaint with how this is laid out. He says, I was always told, end on a positive note. <laughs> he said, this paragraph here, if I'm setting the book up, I would put this section here so we could end on this one. And so in our men's study, we just decided we're going to end on that one about how God works with you in your sanctification. Here's our ending on our positive note. And this is for you who are Christians who are not going to die in your sin. Just be, ask God to help you to be more aware if you need that. Like I need that. 
what it means to be a Christian, to have my sins forgiven, to be pardoned, to be able to call on God as my loving Heavenly Father. I was thinking about this on the way in. You know, politicians, you're going to hear this and we'll hear this in the elections. Well, so-and-so, is he competent enough to pass the 3 a.m. test? If if he's asleep at 3 a.m. and and he gets woken up, what's his gut reaction? Where's his character going to be? Would you vote for somebody? What do you think? You know what? No 3 a.m. test with God if you're God's daughter or God's son. God never slumbers or sleeps. He's always watching out for you. He's always there for you. Uh, You are not going to die in your sins because Jesus died for your sins. And along with that is not just uh, uh, an eternity in heaven with God uh, uh, as opposed to an eternity in hell without God, but all of these good things. You are a believer. You have been forgiven. Your debt has been paid And you don't die in your sins if you're a Christian. Another thing I wrote, for one thing, because Jesus died for your sins, you will not die in your sins because Jesus died for them. Another thing, because you are in Christ, you are not of this world. Jesus was contrasting them. I'm not of this world, but you are of this world. When you were passed from death to life, when your sins were forgiven, when you repented and placed your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden, you're not of this world either. You're in this world, but you're not of it. You participate in its economy when you make a transaction. You participate in its politics when you vote, but you're not of it. There's things we do uh, uh, because we live here but all of a sudden, your citizenship, you have, you, you've got dual citizenship, and really the only citizenship that matters is your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you've been forgiven of your sins and you're with Christ in this, then your citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're going to have gray days. We're going to have ice storms, we're going to have pink slips, we're going to have doctors with grim faces walking in to give us news and try to figure out how to do it. We're going to have uh, phone calls. Some of us may have had this in the middle of the night on our door at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, and it's not the the knock you want to hear. Yeah, we're going to have stuff, but our citizenship is in heaven. Why? Because we are not going to die in our sins. Everybody else gets that good and bad stuff too, but they die in their sins without Jesus. And Jesus' appeal here is to say, you want to go where I'm going. How do you go where Jesus is going? Repent and believe the gospel. And you've done that. And that can't be taken from you. That can't be legislated away. That can't be uh, checked in with you when you check in your possessions as you enter whatever uh, area where they, 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 they take you because you're a Christian in some countries. Uh, they can take the Bible away. They can cut their tongue out so they can't sing praises to God. 
They can't take away the Christianity that God has given uh, through Jesus. And those people will not die in their sins. And you will not die in your sins, Christian. Let's pray and go to the table. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus and for these dialogues that have been recorded. You know, at the end of this Gospel of John, it tells uh, says there's so many more things that Jesus did and there's not enough books to contain them. But we thank you for these that you have included in your Holy Scripture for us Christians as we walk in this world. We thank you for the light that we get to follow. And we thank you that because Jesus died taking our sins upon himself, that we will not die in our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.